Amnesty's secret comedy podcast. With your host, Mark Dolan. Welcome to the Amnesty secret comedy podcast, live from the underbelly in Edinburgh. I'm your host, Mark Dolan. We've got stand-up comedy from Australian superstar and Best Newcomer nominee Matt Okine and stand-up comedy from Relative Newcomer and host of the Six Music Breakfast Show, Sean Keaveney. Also, she counts Louis C.K. as one of her biggest fans and she's this year's most talked-about comedian at the festival. Tig Notaro is here and a star of 24, The Larry Sanders Show and The West Wing, we have Janine Garofalo. First, let's have a little bit of sketch comedy, one of my favourite genres of comedy of all time. Um, They've got their own radio and TV shows in Ireland. They're fabulously talented and annoyingly handsome. Please welcome Foil, Arms and Hog. Thank you very much. I'm flying right Cause I got no money I can't afford A British Airways seat He's got no space For his feet Final call, final call Now for Ryanair flight FR206 to Alicante And now boarding at a gate That couldn't possibly Be further away <laughs> I'm running to the gate The ticket says I'm late Oh no, I'm not Three hours standing in the queue We left you standing there The joke's on you I got my carry-on bag It's kind of big I'm starting to worry He's starting to worry I'm starting to twitch Gonna be stopped by the baggage bitch. Thank you all for flying Ryanair. We know you've had a crap time, but uh, you'll be back. Cause you're poor. Thank you very much. Foil, arms and hog. Fantastic work, lads. Absolutely hilarious. Obviously, you've torched any kind of professional plan B of being a cabin crew on Ryanair, which is a shame, but apart from that, probably worth it. Well, we'll be enjoying some stand-up from Matt Oaken in a bit, but first, let's welcome a guest to the podcast. You'll undoubtedly have seen her in numerous classic movies and television series, but she's probably more likely to appear on a blacklist than a Hollywood A-list, thanks to her searingly honest and extraordinarily funny comedy. Um, please welcome back to the Amnesty podcast, Janine Garofalo. Hello, You've obviously, you know, got this amazing CV. You were in Edinburgh in 2009. What, what, what brought you back? Because you've got lots of stuff that would keep you in North America. So what's the attraction of uh, coming to um, the Edinburgh Fringe? Well, uh, first of all, I enjoyed it very much. And uh, I, I don't have lots of stuff keeping me in, in uh, <laughs> any, uh, you know... Um, 
And that's so funny, you even mentioned Hollywood A-list with my name. Uh, the most famous I've ever been was in Team America when my puppet got shot. Um, and because I was with George Clooney's puppet. That's the most famous I've, I think I've ever been. Um, Amnesty, uh, you know, which is the sort of broader thematic context of this podcast, is obviously interested in freedom of expression and stuff like that. And also issues surrounding gender. And you're an amazing uh, female comic and uh, comedian. Well, it's artist. not different than other comics. When, when you say female comic, mm. it... it continues to ghettoize Perpetuate genders. Perpetuate the... Uh, there's, no, there's no, like, uh, I was seeing some posters that say, all female production of mm. something. I've never seen a poster that says, all male production of <laughs> a Shakespeare play. I, I know that people aren't being malicious when they say things, but if we continue to say things like that, it, it continues to separate. Uh, does that make Let, sense? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, let's like, talk about 24. The, well, no, no, no. I, I, I think it, it bears discussing. It's just that a lot of people will say, what's it like being a female comedian? What's well, like being a human? It's like being like any other comedian. No, and I, I think you're right. And actually, you, you say funny's funny. And someone like Joan Rivers, who had to work through the most archaic sort of uh, attitudes at the beginning of her career in the 50s, so, and because she was just such a comic genius, then it, the, kind of, the cream rises to the top always, I guess. Well, not always. I would say, actually, the opposite of that is true. Uh, that's just in life in general. And that's, that was not a criticism at all of Joan Rivers. But I would say, in, in mainstream entertainment, the cream very rarely rises to the top, or else it wouldn't be so popular. That's right. That's uh, oddly, right. cream in entertainment uh, is not really popular. Uh, medium cream is really popular. Wow. I'm just trying to work out which dairy product I am. <laughs> Now, what I'm interested also to ask you is, um, you grew up, I think, in, in a, quite a conservative uh, family. Oh, that is true, yes. And that's clearly changed, so... Well, yeah, my siblings and my, uh, my dad and, and his wife are um, very conservative and quite religious, and as was I until I was a teenager because I was, like many people, you're indoctrinated into whatever your, your family believes in. Um, I even went to a religious university and was taught by friars with belted robes, the whole thing. This is no, no joke, segregated genders, everything. And by the wow. time I was a senior, I realized there was a lot of holes in the story <laughs> of, <laughs> of, of the origins of us. And uh, I, I also, my father's political leanings, he was a, a campus conservative even when he was at school. Mm. And I, I love my father, I think he's a wonderful man. Um, but I have come to realize as I've gotten older and older, he's, he's quite wrong about 90% of things. <laughs> yes. And uh, I, I didn't know that. This is information you don't need, but luckily it's a secret podcast. This is just between us. Well, that's, but, yeah, that's tricky. You disagree with your parents. It's kind of a normal, natural thing. Well, yeah, it? It, 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 we, we are very close. We fight unbelievably. And now that I'm sober, it's more difficult to deal with them. But, um, <laughs> but we also are very close, too. Uh, Janine Garofalo, it's been yes. fantastic what? to meet you. Please stay Thank right where you, you are because we'd love to continue the conversation. Loads still to come. You're listening to a free podcast from Amnesty International, so please stay with us right to the end because there are many treats right till the closing of this podcast. Um, you'll be able to find out how you can get involved. But let's dive straight into some stand-up comedy now. Tipped as one of the best new comics to come out of Australia and yesterday nominated in the best newcomer category at this year's Fringe. Please welcome Matt Okine. Yes, Edinburgh. Yes, I'm pumped. 
Like a Reebok. This is going to be sick. I had dinner with rich friends last night. You got some good restaurants in Edinburgh, and I went to a, I went to a nice one um, with some rich friends. And it annoys me going to dinner with rich friends, okay, because they always choose the place. And I hate going to dinner with rich people because they always choose the place, and they're always so happy about it. You know what I mean? They're always like, oh, don't worry, Matt, you're going to love this place. Oh, no, you're going to love it, Matt. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. And then you get there and you open the menu and the starters are in double digits and you're like, I'm screwed. It's over. You're under the table on your phone transferring money on your net bank so you can get bread. It's like, I hate dinner with you people, you know? They always take me to places where I have to specify tap water. Every time I'm like, oh, just some water, thanks. And the guy's like, is that still or sparkling? Bro, you know what water I want, okay? I'm wearing sneakers, man. You know? Those are more like... like and they always ask, don't they? They're like, what would you like to drink? And it's like, no, that's the wrong question, okay? You should be asking me what I will be drinking. Because what I'd like to drink and what I will be drinking are two completely fucking different things right now. Okay, what I'd like to drink has bubbles. And what I will be drinking has floaties, okay? So just get it to me in a dirty plastic cup. Meanwhile, my friends are so happy about it. They're like, oh, should we get another bottle of wine? Oh, why not? Yeah, why not? Let's get a nice one. It's Thursday. Why not? 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 And I'm like, why not? Why not? So I don't have to sell a fucking organ, okay? Because I got sausages and tap water and now we're splitting the bill? No, okay? Those aren't my places. I like going to places that think that tissues are an okay substitute for napkins, all right? Those are my places, you know? I like going to places that think it's okay to take their own photos of the food for their own menu. You know what I mean? That the laminate's all peeling down the side and you're just looking at it like, did you cook these noodles in a sex dungeon? What is going on here? Why is there so many shadows, right? Those are my places. I get so jealous of my rich friends, right, because they always introduce me to friends of theirs that are even richer than them on a level of rich that I didn't even know about, right? Has this ever happened to you? I was at a friend of a friend's place in Western Australia overlooking the river, right? I'm standing on her balcony and I turn to her and I go, hey, what's downstairs? And she looks at me with a straight face and goes, oh, that's where dad keeps his hovercraft. I was just like, I fucking hate you. You're on hovercraft money, that's the top, okay? It doesn't get better than hovercraft money except bigger hovercraft money, right? And it kills me because no one ever teaches you how to get hovercraft money. At school, they're like, oh, go be a lawyer or an accountant, you'll be successful. But that's not how to make proper fat stacks, okay? And I'm not talking about, oh, Britney Spears made a million dollars from a movie. I'm talking about dudes you've never seen their face, you've never heard their names, and they're just bazonka loaded from something completely random. You'll be like... Who lives in that massive house on top of the hill? And your friend will be like, oh, that guy? That's the guy that imports the plastic that makes the sticks that goes into chopper chops. And you're like, what the fuck, man? I know plastic. I can make sticks. It's like, you know how, how everyone here has a wheelie bin? Rich. That dude's rich and he put wheels on a bin. Two things that already existed and he slaps them together because he's lazy and now he's wheelie binning cash money around. It's like, man, I, it just... It annoys me, you know, because the ideas are there. I saw one the other day. I went to a shop and I saw a toaster you can see through. You can see your bread getting... Is that not the best thing you've ever heard in your life? Everyone needs one of these things because nothing highlights the misconceived faith one has in their own memory like the simple art of cooking toast. Okay, because we all do it. Toast pops up. Oh, it's not quite brown enough. Sure, I could just turn this little dial down to one, pop it back down, perfect toast. But no, why would I bother doing all of that? I'll remember. Yeah, you'll remember. You'll remember watching TV, an activity that requires all your concentration. Two minutes later, you're over the kitchen sink. And all you had to do was this, but you stood there going, oh, but then I have to change it back. What's already fucking wrong, isn't it? So change it now. Treat yourself to good toast, homie. 
I just want nice, like that's what, you know what, I don't even want to be hovercraft rich, that's the thing, I just want to have nice stuff, I want like a see-through toaster, you know, I don't want to be rich, rich, I just want to be rich enough to get new kitchen tongs, right, like right now, the ring around my kitchen tongs is broken, so they're just like this, all the time, constantly, like this, you know how difficult tongs are to manage when they're like this, all the time, just getting them in the drawer is impossible, I gotta squeeze them close, and, like drop them and kick the drawer closed before they just spring back open, and you always put the tongs in the second drawer, that's how it works, you go cut the up top, and all your shit in the second drawer, just jamming stuff, more more and more in there. It's like a Central African country in there. It's pure fucking anarchy. It's like crazy. It's, you know, like there's bachelors riding around with machetes and stuff. You don't know what's going on. You never might lose a finger. It's just like full on, man. So you, you, your tongs just pop open straight in there, right? And then and it just means that every single time I open the second drawer of my kitchen, it opens up a little bit. And then as I pull the top drawer, it just starts coming with it. And it's just like, no, I, can't, I don't know how to solve this puzzle, you know? Like, I don't want to be rich, rich. I just want to be rich enough to get pillows that match. But right now, one pillow is like a brick and the other is like two cotton wool buds just popped into a Sack. Just like my head is on mattress. Why is my head on my mattress? I have to fold it like 14 times just to get any sort of leverage out of it. Oh yeah, fist pillow. This is awesome. You know, I don't want to be rich, rich. I just want to be rich enough to get a vacuum cleaner that does something. My current vacuum cleaner has a sucking power of an emphysema patient. It's just like... <gasps> I'm going over a speck of paper on my carpet. It's not stuck either. It's bobbling. It's airborne. As I run the head of the vacuum over it, it bobbles up and down, but it doesn't go anywhere. And it gets to the stage where I have to bend over and pick up this piece of paper and physically insert it into the mouth of my vacuum. I'm feeding my vacuum now. Oh, you hungry vacuum? Yum, 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 yum. You know, at least after I've walked around my entire lounge room picking up rubbish and putting it in this glorified fucking bin, right? At least, oh, at least Edinburgh, I get to put my foot on that cord button. You know the cord button? I can put my foot on the cord button and just watch the cord just rip in <laughs> like a snake. Oh, at least I get that satisfaction, right? Bam, wrong, no I don't. I put my foot on the cord button and the cord just goes, huh? Uh, it reminds me of an erection going down. Like if you actually just watch an erection go down, it's not pretty, it's pathetic. As the blood pumps out of it slowly but surely crawls back into the shriveled sack of shit that it crawled out of, I have to bend over and shove the cord into the ass of my vacuum. I'm feeding my vacuum and I'm wiping its ass. Like, come on, man, I wish I was rich. And it's my own fault though, that's the thing, it's my own fault. You know, because I'll spend 100 pounds on a Saturday night out, but I'll never spend more than one pound on a dustpan and brush. No, I never. In my head, I'm like, eh, what's the point, Matt? I'll tell you what the freaking point is, Matt. A 10 pound dustpan and brush has a nice little rubber lip that hangs over its edge. So and when you lower it to the ground, it allows for an easy and shallow gradient onto which you can swipe all and every particle of dust. My one pound plastic piece of crap has a hard right angle edge that's just tall enough to ensure that only the biggest fucking boulders of rock and pebble can possibly climb up onto this thing. The rest of the dust just lines up along its hard edge, leaving me walking around backwards in a circle in my kitchen, sweeping up the same pile of crap. Wish I was rich. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Malachi. Thank you so much for having me. Matt Okine, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic job, Matt. Brilliant stuff. If you're sat by a computer at this very moment in time, you can go straight to amnesty.org.uk forward slash chip in, C-H-I-P-I-N, and make a donation to help Amnesty continue to defend and promote freedom of expression all around the world. Every penny is incredibly gratefully received and makes an immediate difference. Remember, their vital work depends on you. Now, the established and highly respected comic Tig Nogtaro took the comedy world by storm last summer after sharing her cancer diagnosis at a gig, which was then seen by millions around the world. The great news is that she's well again, and she's here in Edinburgh for a run at the Gilded Balloon. Um, please welcome Tig Nogtaro. 
welcome, welcome. Do you know each other, by the way? Yes, Stevie? and when is she going to stop milking that cancer angle? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I never had it. Yeah. I mentioned what an experience an established comic you, you were before you got this um, shocking news, and don't want it to sort of somehow define you whatsoever, but um, I know that it happened. Uh, was your initial, on diagnosis, was, was your initial thought that the comedy would stop for a while, or what was your kind of, you know, immediate thought in terms of the implications, not just for your health, but, you know, your job? Janine, stop laughing at me having cancer. <laughs> <laughs> she has always found this so funny. No, I, yeah, I, <laughs> when I was diagnosed, I, I really thought my, <laughs> Janine Garofalo, pull it together. But I, uh, actually, Janine's reaction sort of is that that's the kind of awkward gray area. Actually, that... she's lucky that people do find it funny because uh, <laughs> yeah. it was worked out perfectly well, and she is a comedian. Sort of, yeah. So uh, I am not laughing. I'm actually laughing at the Onion headline that you were laughing at. That's <laughs> why I'm laughing. That nobody knows what you're talking Please about. Please share it because the audience, I think, will well, enjoy Well, when it. I was having a hard time, <laughs> this headline from the Onion, which a I don't know. A parody newspaper. It's a newspaper. Parody news. newspaper. This headline brought me so much joy that all I had to do was think about it. And then I was just laughing. And the headline said, Seagull with diarrhea barely makes it to crowded beach in time. <laughs> That's gold. And that was just on my darkest days. I would just wake up and be really sad and then I'd remember that headline That's hilarious. and then I'd be like another golden day but yeah when I was say, here in Edinburgh the seagulls never make it to the beach <laughs> yeah they are urban dwellers but but I, actually I was gonna say that yeah sort of Janine's sort of um, in a way she's finding it funny and that's that's what you played on is the kind of our awkwardness about the subject of this disease and you kind of played with us and played with our you know you, that tension I suppose yeah, well, I, I had just been diagnosed and I had this show booked and I wanted to do stand-up because I love doing stand-up, so I kept the show booked, but I didn't feel right just doing typical jokes, and so I talked about everything that had been going on in my life and tried to find some humor in it. Uh, but I, I thought my life and career were going to end, so it was a very scary, dark... Time. Did it help in your recovery that you were able to go to work for some of the time? Did that keep you going in some ways? Yeah, well, I only did that one show. Mm. And then I immediately was, it was all consuming with doctors. And I had mm. a double mastectomy. So I had surgery and recovery. And I think being away from working and just being around friends was actually good for me at the time. But doing that show was a great launching point to go into recovery um, and then to be able to come out of that and try and find my Did, way. Is there any resistance from the audience that they're uncomfortable laughing about this? Janine not, she finds it hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it is. And she also, right before the cancer, she almost died of an infection, which yes. is a really funny story if she, if she has time to tell it. <laughs> Just coincidentally, she almost died of one totally separate thing and then was shortly thereafter diagnosed with cancer. Well, I had three, I, my friend pointed out that I actually had three medical conditions <laughs> that 
had I not been born in modern times, I would have died because I had pneumonia and then I had this bacterial infection in my intestines called C. diff and then was diagnosed with cancer. And all three, if you don't have uh, medication or doctor, you're, you're out. So I had all three of those Which in four months. Which is the comedy rule of threes, am yeah. I right? Uh, pneumonia. <laughs> pneumonia, C. diff, cancer, right. boom, had she hilarious. Not had three, this whole, it wouldn't, wouldn't be, be as funny. Now. I had three, but then how do you explain also in the four months, went through a breakup and my mother unexpectedly died. So there were well, five Well, if you're going to bring that into it. Yeah. Hey, my mom died too when I was very young. Do I, do I sit here on Amnesty's Secret <laughs> you Podcast just did. and discuss it? But I mean ordinarily. Yes, I do always. It? I mean this one time, yes. <laughs> of I, this I'm going to have secret to podcast. Well, hang on, hang on. We're, Secret's uh, getting out. Is he, does he need to move on? Is he going to do another half-hearted? Thank you. Lovely talking to you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, it, you know, I don't want to get involved in this, but I lost a guinea pig called Alan when I was eight. So frankly, you know, I don't want to trump you guys, but please stay with us because we're going to continue the conversation. It's time to meet uh, a good friend of mine, a fantastic broadcaster, and it turns out comedian as well. Um, please welcome to the stage, Sean Keaveney. Red hot out there, isn't it? Anybody got any sunblock for later? It don't matter to me too much, to be honest. I don't go out a lot anymore. I'm at that age. You know, I stay in a lot. I, I'm with Sartre on that subject, you know. I think um, he, he said hellies of the people, didn't he? Presciently predicting the Weatherspoons pub chain by 45 years. <laughs> And I, I tell you what I do. Anybody got Netflix? Netflix, Netflix. Anybody, box sets on Netflix. Oh, oh, box sets on Netflix. Oh, I love it. I'm watching box sets on Netflix. I just stay and watch box sets on Netflix. And I watch uh, Breaking Bad. Anybody watch Breaking Bad? Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad. I love Breaking Bad. You mean you don't watch Breaking Bad? Who doesn't watch Breaking Bad? What's the fucking matter with you? Why don't you watch Breaking Bad? What are you doing instead? Going out seeing your friends, going to pubs, having a chat, walking through long meadows. Why aren't you not watching it? What do you mean, what's it about? What's it about Breaking Bad? Well, it's about these two guys and they're like meth heads. Well, they're not meth heads, they make meth. What do you mean, what's meth? Meth's like methamphetamine, so they're like, they make drugs and become drug barons and it's fucking brilliant. You should be watching it. And it's, it's funny because there is a parallel between the people who watch Breaking Bad and the meth addicts in the programme in the sense that you start with a couple of episodes and that's fine, you can handle it. You watch the first series, you're into it. By the second series, you're not really seeing your family and friends anymore. <laughs> and by series five, you're, you know, you're, you're sucking off businessmen for money, you know. <laughs> that might just be me, that bit. But uh, one, one thing, through watching Breaking Bad, I, I, something came back to me that people always say about when they're watching dramas or when they're watching dramatic films or HBO series, and it, it struck me very much when watching Breaking Bad that nobody ever says goodbye properly when they're on telephone or in a dramatic serial like that, you know. They just said And that's not right, is it? It's not, it's not, that's not reality. Doesn't matter what kind of a conversation you're having, you usually say goodbye and put the phone down. I was thinking, why? Why don't they not say goodbye when they put the phone down? It doesn't seem realistic. And then it, it sort of hit me, uh, like a sort of bolt out of the blue, why? I started to think, think if you think about it for a moment, if you supplanted a normal tele telephonic goodbye 
on the end of a conversation in something like Breaking Bad wouldn't really work. Okay, Jesse, did you do what I asked? Yeah, I did, Mr. White, yeah. I blew his fucking head right off his shoulders, just like you asked, okay? I can still see his eyes burning into my eyes. I'll never forget it, man. Yeah, I did just what you asked. Okay, Jesse, stay calm, stay calm. It was either you or him, it had to be done. Now, do you know what you gotta do next? Yeah, I know what I gotta do. Okay, I'll see you in El Paso in two days. Okay, bye-bye, 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 bye-bye. Okay, bye, bye-bye, see you, mate, yep, see you, mate. Bye, bye-bye, bye, it wouldn't work, it just wouldn't work. Sean Keaveney, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic, I didn't know you had, you know, you were, uh, you've got hidden talents, young man. You think? You were an established and experienced broadcaster. When did you have a first crack at stand-up? Can you remember? <clears throat> About three or four minutes ago. And, uh, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. I don't think I might do it again. I just wanted to point out, I also, so you don't think I'm stealing from you, I have discussed before um, the not saying goodbye, which I've oh, noticed for yeah. years on different shows. I don't say it all the time, but yeah. sometimes I am reminded I've when I see a show that people just never say goodbye on a phone on TV, which is so ill-mannered. Yeah. Um, I don't do, uh, I just didn't want you to think I oh, no. would so say goodbye. I probably accidentally yeah. snicked it And then also, I do talk about Breaking Bad, not in your, no, 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 just in the States. If you say you haven't seen Breaking Bad, yeah. people, lose their it. minds. And it was like with The Wire. I had to start lying about The Wire years ago uh, that I had seen it just to avoid people being angry with yeah. me for never seeing The Wire. You Although I've really never seen The Wire, I can admit that here now in Edinburgh. What um, the? I mean, the... Uh, I hear it's great. I haven't either. The theme of my show this year at The Fringe is how people never say goodbye on the phone. <laughs> so the three of us, we can it's just called, agree. It's called They, they Never Say Goodbye. Right. And there's a little bit of Breaking Bad in there, just as a closer, uh, you know, you just know. to leave them with a smile. Now, um, I think, do you feel more free to say the stuff that you want to say as a stand-up than uh, uh, on the radio working for the BBC? Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know what, though? It's a, it's a lovely restriction being on the Beeb, in a sense, because you can't swear, and there are certain subjects that you can't go within 50 miles of without an alarm going off and I won't even mention any any of those now because I fear of getting sacked but they, because of that restriction I think comedy really come, can really spring from that restriction sometimes but having said that when you're in front of an audience like this and you can say what you want it's such a liberating do, do you experience. both feel that too that as stand-ups you can pretty much say whatever you want as long as you feel it's funny I feel like that's the case unless Janine's around <laughs> <laughs> And then I can't say anything. Do you self-edit? Do, do either of you self-edit? Do you kind of think, that's a funny joke, but I can't really say it because it's um, too close to the bone or unacceptable subject matter? I just edit Tig's stuff. What I do every night when I watch her <laughs> is I keep it running. I make a list of things. And then I phone her. And I, say, and I do say goodbye, do I not? I'm very well-mannered on the phone. My phone I usually say impeccable. goodbye first. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> Why they're oh she has cancer I get it right. I know okay now all that remains for me now to do is to sincerely thank all of our guests Janine Garofalo Tignotaro Foyle Arms and Hog Matt Okine and Sean Keaveney please don't switch off there's a really important bit coming up right now so stay right where you are all that remains for me to do is to thank you for coming uh, I've been Mark Dolan keep supporting Amnesty International thank you. You've just been listening to free comedy courtesy of Amnesty International. Please make a donation to our vital work.
My name is Ollie Sprague and I head up our work here at Amnesty UK on arms control and policing and I've been here for nearly six years. I've been working on the arms trade treaty since I left university. That was nearly 20 years ago. A global arms trade treaty was so desperately needed to keep arms out of the hands of serious human rights violators, people that use guns to murder, to maim and to kill people. In April this year, we secured a massive victory. We secured at the United Nations an overwhelming vote to establish this treaty. I was there when the vote happened and it's amazing to have been part of history, to have been part of a 20-year campaign that I genuinely believe will help make the world a safer place. Personally for me, I believe that armed conflict and violence around the world should be one of the most preventable human tragedies. And preventing guns ending up in the wrong hands must surely be one of the first things that we can do to prevent so many unavoidable deaths. There's an awful lot of hard work still to do, but I believe this treaty will be the first step in making the world a much safer place. And I'm privileged to have been working at Amnesty, a group that was at the forefront of this historic and landmark campaign for nearly 20 years. To find out more about my work and that of Amnesty, then just go to www.amnesty.org.uk and please donate £5 by texting TRUTH and your full name to 70505. Thank you. Your text will cost £5 plus one standard message costing up to 10p. Amnesty UK receives at least £4.75. Please ask the bill payer's permission. To unsubscribe from contact, text STOP to 70505 at any time. Full terms and conditions at amnesty.org.uk slash SMS terms.